This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. Glad to be here with everybody. Looking forward to this, this uh, service. I think it's important for us to understand as we continue on as a congregation, as we continue on supporting one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, to understand what it is to be the body of Christ. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, in verse, beginning there in verse 20, He says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. He was praying for future saints, people who would, who would be in the body of Christ in the future from that time. And He says, that, that what? What was His prayer? That they may all be one, as Thou art, Father, and uh, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Here in John chapter 17, Jesus prays something very special. He prays for all of his disciples to be united as one. He prays that, that we would have a special type of unity and a special type of relationship together as He has with the Father. And He promises that we will have that same relationship with Him. But how is it that we experience this oneness? How is it that we can be not only united together, but part of the body of Christ? Uh, so one with Christ Himself. Well, it's in Him. He says there, He says, I pray that they might uh, all be in me and I in them. And so it's in His body that we find this, unique, this uniqueness of, of being one, not only with each other, but with Christ. And so it's in Him that each disciple is bound together to God and to other disciples in a unique relationship. And notice He says that we would be made perfect in one. It gives us completeness. It fulfills something within us that is missing in our lives. And when we become part of the body of Christ, and become, uh, uh, when we become part of the body of Christ, we are complete. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, I believe in verse 9, it says that we are, that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in Him. How amazing is that? that? That mere humans, mere mortals can be a part of an eternal life and be one with Him and be complete in Him. That's the part we need. We need to be like Christ and be, uh, live up to His image. And so it makes us who and what we ought to be when we are in Christ and so it fulfills us. So that brings up some specific questions as we think about the unique oneness that we share as the body of Christ. First, what is the body of Christ? What other information do we have about how we become the body of Christ? Does the Bible say anything about this fact that we are one and, and we become one in Christ and how that happens? Two, what is our purpose as the body of Christ? What is it that we should be doing or why is it that we should be the body of Christ? And, 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 and we'll look at some of those things and we'll also ask, how does this body function? If we are the body of Christ and we are united in one and we do have a specific purpose, how is it that we go about accomplishing that purpose? How does the body of Christ function? And then lastly, I want to impress upon us why it should matter, why it should matter to us and what our responsibility is and, and what, uh, what we're called to care about as members of the body of Christ. So let's first look at this question, what is the body of Christ? <clears throat> you know, when it talks about salvation in the scriptures, 
Paul and, and Jesus and John, it's all described in a very specific way. The Holy Spirit communicates it to us in a very specific way. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 18, it says, "...who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son." You see, we've been taken out of something, the world. We've been taken out of sin. We've been taken out of darkness. And when we're taken out of the darkness, we have to be put somewhere. And so God puts us into the kingdom of His dear Son, the body of Christ. He says, in whom, see, we've been put in Christ. He says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And so in life and in death, Jesus is reigning supreme as our Lord and our Savior. When we're washed in the blood of Christ, that's when our sins are forgiven. And, and it's through that act, it means that we are rescued from darkness and then we are put into Christ. And I want to take note that he uses these terms interchangeably. We've been taken out of darkness and put into the kingdom of his dear son. And then he says, now we're in Christ. And so being in the kingdom is the same thing as being in Christ. And he says that Christ is the head of the body, which is the church. So kingdom, church, body, all of these terms are used synonymously throughout the scriptures to describe the same entity. It is people that are souls that are purchased with the blood of Christ. That's what the body of Christ is. And that's who and what we are as members of the body of Christ. We are purchased by the blood of Christ. Now, why is that so special and so unique? If you notice there in Colossians chapter 1, Paul makes the case that Jesus is the creator of all things. He is the image of God himself in bodily form. And that's what he describes in Colossians chapter 2. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, he says. And that's so special and unique because if he's the true image of God and the creator of all things and has dominion over all things, think about that. We mere humans with all our problems, all of our trials, all of our weaknesses can be made cleansed, can be made freed from sin and be joined to an eternal life and become part of Christ and a part of who he is. That's a great blessing. And we ought never to take that for granted. The creator of the universe, we can be in him and be complete in him. Well, how does that even happen? Well, how is it that, that we come from coming out of darkness and into the light and into the kingdom of his dear son, into Christ, into the body, into the church? How is it that that occurs? Well, it's through the act of baptism. A lot of people say baptism isn't important, but Paul impresses upon us in Romans chapter 6, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up by the dead, by the glory, uh, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together, that means united together, in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You see, we were released from bondage, the bondage of sin, when we were baptized into Christ. And that's when we're united together, not only in his death, 
but also in the power of the resurrection. And it is the spirit that binds us together. And we'll look at that in just a moment in Colossians chapter 12, verse 13. But there's a lot of people out there saying baptism is not essential and does not save us, yet Paul continually communicated that it's the only way that we can be joined to Christ. And, you know, it's just what the Bible teaches. If being saved means that we are cleansed from sin, being saved means that we are taken out of the darkness and that we've been put into Christ, but baptism does not save us, then the Holy Spirit got it wrong. By telling us that it is through baptism that we are joined together with Christ. You see in Colossians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. The Holy Spirit got it wrong if baptism does not save us, because the Bible clearly says this itself. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body. That's the only way we can have access to God and have access to be, become united in Christ. And that's how we've all been united in Christ. If you're here this morning, you've been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you are a part of the body of Christ. And that is a great blessing. Now, what does that mean as far as becoming part of the body of Christ and becoming part of who He is? Well, with this act comes the fact that our identity is now transformed. Notice what, what is said here. When we're baptized into this body, it doesn't matter if we're Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free. Every person who's been baptized into Jesus Christ has the same opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ. We get the same access to Jesus. We get the same cleansing. We get the same salvation from sin. And your identity is now transformed. Identity is something that is cherished in our world. People put a lot of emphasis on, on identity. Gender, are you a man or a woman? Race, what race are you? People always put emphasis on that. Maybe your social status. Maybe it's your financial status. Are, are we in the wealthy class? Are we in the poor class? Are we in the middle class? Maybe the neighborhood we live in. We take pride in, in, in some of these things. Maybe it's our city. Some people love where they're from, even their states. You know, I'm from Texas. Texans take a lot of pride in being from Texas. I got a text from a brother in Christ. Uh, I was in Dallas over the weekend, and he texted me and said, hey, I, he I heard you're going to be in God's country this weekend. And I said, no, I'm going to be in Dallas. <laughs> but, but that's a, co a common mindset. We have a, a great pride in where we're from, even country, nationality. As Americans, we take great pride, and we, we are from America. And, and other people may feel the same way about their home countries. And, and all of these markers, while they're not... They're not all evil in some way, but, but these are all markers we use to derive a sense of, of uniqueness. We, that's what we use to identify ourselves as. That's who we are. But it also ties us to the community level, and it makes us part of a larger group. And, and so we feel the sense of connection to a larger group if we belong to one of these social categories or these, these classifications as to, to identify ourselves. But when we become part of Christ, that changes absolutely changes and none of that matters anymore. All of the markers we use to measure ourselves and identify ourselves as no longer matter. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6 verse, verse 26, it says, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Our identity should transform. And, and the blessing is that we can come to Christ and we can transcend who we are and become more like He is. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When we're in Christ, we put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. You see, we change and we become more like Christ. He says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free, but Christ is all and in all. In Christ, none of those worldly markers matter. But what matters is we can become more, and we can become what we're meant to be. And that is transformed into the image of Christ. Because when we're in Christ, we're supposed to be being renewed to become more conformed to His, His image. And that's a great blessing. Uh, absolutely is a great blessing as part of the body of Christ. And then along with that, because we are saved from sin, because we have a new identity, because we're pursuing a new life, it stands to reason that we need a new standard to follow. We need new guidance. We, we let ourselves into sin in the first place. We're not capable of leading our own lives, so now we need to know the information we need to develop better values in our lives. And so we should have a transformation of values as well as part of being the body of Christ. Something that will help us as we continue on this path of transformation is to study and learn and grow in the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we could rightly answer the question when we ask, what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ is a collective of souls that have been put into Christ through His blood. We've been cleansed, we've been freed from sin, and we are transformed to His identity. We become Christians, and that's what matters the most. And we are renewing our minds through the Word of God. And not only are we doing that as individuals, but we're doing that together as a body of Christ. And that collective isn't just made up of people that meet here. There's other congregations throughout the world of, of Christians that are gathered together on mornings just like this, uh, at this very hour, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, seeking to do the same as we are. And we're united in that, in that mindset. And we're united in, in the Word. That is what the body of Christ is. <clears throat> so what is the purpose of the body? If we're supposed to be individually transforming, but also transforming together and growing together, closer together, what is our purpose? Well, look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me, verse 15 through 16. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, increases increase, uh, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. One of the primary purposes of being part of the body of Christ, people who are saved from their sins and now joined together in oneness with not only Christ but with each other, is that we should be edifying each other in love, building up the body, growing in strength. And in fact, as we'll look at here in just a moment, God makes a, a, a striking comparison to our natural human body to the overall body of Christ in the fact that it's made up of many different parts. It's made up of many different functions. It's made up of, but it all grows together and should. A, a healthy functioning body grows together and, and it strengthens together. And that's what the body of Christ should be. 
Our purpose is to grow and edify one another with the truth of God's Word and be there for one another. We should be concerned with teaching each other the truth of God's Word and providing constant nourishment so we can grow in strength. And it's, like I said, just like our physical body, we need to make sure to nourish it, we need to make sure to protect it, and that we don't become sick and unhealthy and die. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 says that there should be no schism in the body. We ought to be united, just as a, a human body is. Our parts don't float around in, separately or detach from our bodies. It's all together, and it stays together. And that's what the body of Christ should do. We ought to be and stay together. That the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, and when he says members, don't think about we're members of the body of Christ. Think about body parts is what he's talking about. That's the illustration he's using. That, that whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. If we feel pain, if, if we feel pain in our hand, sometimes that pain shoots up into other parts of our body and we feel it in other areas. We might have a serious injury and we'll feel that aching in all of our body. Sometimes maybe, maybe when we're doing something like exercising, our whole body feels good. And, and we feel that energy, we feel that excitement. And so all of your body participates in the good and the bad that comes along. And that's how it is in the body of Christ. We ought to have such a unity, such a mindset of knowing that we are, we are all body parts in the body of Christ, joined together and have that type of closeness and building each other up, strengthening together growing proportionately uh, with one another. Now the reason we ought to be doing that and the purpose for the body of Christ growing and being edified in love is to help other people that are not in the body of Christ to convince them to become part of the body of Christ and to help them grow and to be complete and to find the hope that we have found and to share that with them. And so we ought to be working together to save souls. If we can't be strengthened, if we're... If we, as the body of Christ, aren't strong enough to even help each other and grow and edify each other in love. We are not going to be strong enough to go out and serve other people and help them and, and be able to convince them of the truth. But it should be our task as the body of Christ, and our purpose, rather, as the body of Christ, to save souls. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul pleaded with the Philippians. He said, only let your conversation, your conduct, let your way of life be as it is becoming of the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That what? You stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We ought to be working and striving together, just like a human body functions and works together. You've seen me walking around taking steps. As I've walked around, your whole body goes with you. And so we ought to be thinking of that as we're doing the work of the church going out and preaching the gospel, we're doing that together. Stand fast in one spirit with one mind. We ought to be united in that mindset. Now, we heard last Sunday morning an excellent lesson about the authority in religion and the fact that we ought to be united under the banner of the New Testament, and that is what we should rest on. And that's absolutely true. That's what the Bible commands us to do. And that helps us when we're all united to that same standard and, and make up our minds that we're going to be students of the Word and we're going to be followers in the New Testament. It's sort of like a business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the marketing team at the company I work at, and we have a brand standard and brand values 
and company values. And we put that out to all of the company so that every employee knows this is how you ought to act. These are the types of things that you should, you should communicate if you're going to be out and about representing the company. These are the types of things you shouldn't communicate. And, and when we're, we're presenting ourselves to, to people, these are the colors you use, these are the colors you don't use, this is the way you use the logo, this is not the way you use it. There is a manual, there's a guide to help people know how to give a consistent experience when people interact with, with parts of our company. The New Testament is our brand standard. The New Testament is what we adhere to as members of the body of Christ individually so that people have a consistent experience when they interact with somebody who is a part of the body of Christ. And, and we should be striving together and working together and not be divided, but united in this concept. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10, it says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. God calls us to have unity. And that unity is going to be based on the, on the faith of the Scriptures. That unity is going to be based on the truth of God's Word. And, and He says we ought to speak the same thing, communicate the same things to people. Don't let divisions be among us, but instead be united, just like a body. And if we grow in love towards one another and really teach each other like we belong to the same body, because we do, it's going to make that second part of going and evangelizing more effective. You remember what Jesus prayed in John 17? He said, he wants, he says, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. You see? It makes a real impact of the world knowing and believing whether or not God sent Christ into the world if we're united in one. And if we're not united and we're divided, do you think people want to be a part of something like that? Where we're constantly divided and fighting and splitting off and devouring one another and not on the same page? People don't want to come to that. Imagine if, if that's the kind of group we were and you invite one of your closest friends, hey, come be a part of this. Nobody wants to be a part of that. But we ought to be united perfectly in one mind and same judgment so that we can make a real difference in whether or not people believe that God has sent Christ into the world. When we have that type of unity that Christ wants us to have with Him and one another, what it does is demonstrates the love of God. We're demonstrating the love of God towards one another and towards the world, and it makes a real difference towards impacting other souls. And we cannot achieve the second goal without achieving the first. <clears throat> so how does the body function? If we're supposed to help each other, if we're supposed to edify each other in truth, if we're supposed to go out and evangelize to the world, what, how in the world are we supposed to go about accomplishing that? Well, the beauty is that God has designed a very, it's very wonderful and very unique in the sense that it's like a human body made up of so many different parts. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says, For as we have many members in the body, we have many parts in the body, and all the parts don't have the same office, and they don't have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another, just like a human body. We have fingers that make up a hand, and that hand does something different than the toes that are on our feet. And, and what our feet do is different than what our hands do. And what our legs do is different than what our arms do. And we have all these different parts, hundreds and thousands of different parts, even small parts, that play big roles 
and, and it's all joined together just like a human body, and that's exactly how the body of Christ works and functions. It's made up of differing roles. If you're in the body of Christ, there's something that you can offer to the body, but it may not be the exact same thing that everybody else offers. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. He gave all these different functions and these different offices and these different roles for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Wonderful how God has designed this system to be self-sufficient and to be constantly growing, feeding and gaining nourishment from the Word of God. And He gives these different roles so that the body can continually be edified. And these parts, although there's some uniqueness in the roles and the different ways that we can go about accomplishing this and helping to edify the body of Christ, they're interdependent. One body part can't function without the other. I mean, I guarantee you, if my hand were severed from the rest of my, my arm, that hand can no longer function. It needs all those muscles. It needs all those tendons. It needs, it needs everything that it's attached to in order to just do this simple movement right here. We need one another. It's interdependent. Evangelists can't do the work that they do without people behind them and supporting them and helping them. Elders can't do the type of work that they are tasked to do without the congregation being behind them and working together. They can't be effective leaders. Teachers can't do the types of things they do without other men helping and, and, and guiding one another and sharing in the Word of God together. We can't go out and make personal connections with people and convince them about the beauty of the body of Christ unless, unless there actually is a type of fellowship that we have with one another and a closeness that we have as family. And so it takes all these parts doing all their work in order for us to be united. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. And if they are all one member, where will the body? We can't all have the same function. If your whole body was just a hand, that's not a body, that's a hand. And we're not part of the hand of Christ. We're not part of the, the leg of Christ or the arm of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. And that implies that there are many different roles, many different parts, many different functions. He says, yet... But now there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. These parts must work together for even the simplest things. We have to be united, we have to be on the same page, and we must depend on each other the same way our body parts depend on all the rest of the body parts. And this is designed to God's desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. What we should understand about the different roles and functions in the body of Christ is that you have value. You matter. Each and every one of you matter. From the youngest to the oldest, it doesn't matter. Your age or whatever. 
you have meaning to the body of Christ. And God has placed you in the body as it hath pleased Him, according to His desire. And so we cannot compare ourselves to other people and say, well, I can't, I can't sing like brother so-and-so. I can't preach like brother so-and-so. So therefore, I'm, I have no value. I have no use. You're still part of the body of Christ. You still have function. You still have meaning. You still have something that you need to offer and, and be there to do. We all have differing abilities. And it doesn't make us less valuable or less of the body, a part of the body of Christ if we cannot contribute the exact same thing that somebody else can. So don't compare yourselves to other parts and say, well, I can't do that, therefore I'm not, I'm not meaningful to the body. Yes, you are. And you're a part of the body of Christ and you matter. And what you can bring to the table matters for the growth and the edification of the body and for the preaching of the gospel to the, to the rest of the world. And in this, we're bringing glory to God. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, a properly functioning body, he's, he talks about people doing their roles effectively, brings honor to God. He says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This isn't a talent show. When we're contributing to the body of Christ and we're trying to help one another or we're trying to contribute and, and do things, it's not a talent show. It's all about bringing glory to Christ. It's all about bringing glory to God through Christ. And, and when we're properly functioning, we ought to understand that the things we're doing, it's not about us. And so don't let yourself be held back by the mindset that just because you can't do something that somebody else does, that you're not valuable because you, you absolutely are. And it's not even about us. It's not about you and what you can do or can't do. It's about us trying our hardest to work together to bring glory to our God and Father. Now, if it's true that we're part of the body of Christ because we've been baptized in Him, we've been joined to not only Him, but to one another, and we are a body of Christ, and we have a purpose to help one another and to go and teach the gospel of Christ. And if that's true, and that God has given everybody a role and everybody a function and everybody a job to do in the body of Christ to help edify the body and to preach the gospel and to be united in the truth, that leads us to that final question. What is it that, that why should this even matter to you and to me? And that's a, a question of, of personal responsibility that we have to the body. Not only are we accountable to God how we live individually, we're going to answer for how we lived our lives, but we have a big responsibility to everybody else. If we are really connected the way God says we are, and I believe that we are, we are members one of another. There's people counting on you. There's people that need you. And so we have a responsibility to the body of Christ. Be a faithful person. That's, what, that's our responsibility. Be a faithful person. The best thing that you could do for the body of Christ is make sure that your spiritual life is healthy. Because if it's not, and you're overcoming sin, and your life is... It's, sin is like a cancer that's going to spread to the rest of the body. And if your life is corrupted with sin, it's going to spread around to everybody else. And it's going to make things worse. So make sure you're transforming in your own life and growing and, and feeding on the Word of God. In Romans chapter 12, we'll visit that again. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but... Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have a responsibility to be transformed in not, don't be conformed to this world, 
Don't follow along with what the world is doing. We've been saved from the world, and we need to change from that. And we need to transform more and more to be like Christ. And the more we do that, the more benefit that is to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The more benefit that is to one another. If we grow diseased with sin, we're going to be a danger to the rest of the body. So be mindful about your life and your transformation in the Word of God. Because the body is interdependent on each other. And if, if, you're a, if you're a diseased limb, that's dangerous to the rest of the body. But if you're a dead limb, what use is there for you? What use will God have for a dead limb on the body of Christ other than to, for it to be cut off? That's what we do when, if, if our health gets so bad and we have a limb that is so decayed or it's so corrupt... It just, sometimes it has to be amputated for the health of the rest of the body. And God will do that. There will be a point where we'll be cut off if, if we just decide not to care. The body needs you to be spiritually healthy. Be a faithful person. Proverbs 29, 25, verse 19, it says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Imagine running away from a burning building, but your leg is broke or your foot's out of joint. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of work. And that brings to mind the fact that there are some people that, that might have a disability. You know what they have to do? They have to work extra hard to, in order to adapt. Maybe, maybe somebody doesn't have the use of their legs. Maybe they have to use their arms four times as much just to move the wheels on the wheelchair, just to move themselves around. When we're not properly functioned, when we're not a faithful person in the body of Christ, when we're, when, when we're like the tooth that's broken, it causes pain. It causes suffering. It causes hardship for the rest of the body of Christ. If we're not there to help and do what we can do in service to God, the rest of the body is going to have to step up and do extra work and make up for the part that you're, that, that's missing. And that's why it's so important for us to care about being there for the rest of our brothers and sisters. We don't want to be the unfaithful person because the time of trouble is upon us. This world is constantly growing in sin. These are very troubled times, and they'll continually be that way. And if we can't count on one another to be faithful, we're not going to be effective in edifying each other and, edify, or, and reaching souls and evangelizing and helping people, other people have their lives transformed. Be a faithful person. And show up and take action. And when I say show up, I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. Be engaged. Be there. Care about your family in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider one another and provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't wait around for somebody else to show up and do the work. Don't wait around hoping that somebody's going to going to not ask you to do stuff. Show up and do stuff. Be there to help. Sometimes it takes learning, and, and that's okay. We can learn together, though. It's, we're learning together. But be a person of action and have a, have a mindset that you're willing to help and you're willing to be there. Make sure you're showing up physically and mentally. Be engaged. How can you provoke your brothers and sisters to love and good work, as we're called to do, if we don't really care that much? If we just kind of hear... We just come and are just here to be served, but we're not really here to be engaged and to serve other people. What use will that be for the body? 
be here to serve, be here for the rest of the body. As we think about these things, I hope that, that, I hope that it's been impressed upon you the, the importance of the body of Christ. The body of Christ are souls that are transforming together, and we're growing together, and we have a responsibility to grow together and to help one another and to be there for each other. Sometimes we fail. And, and if you're listening to this uh, this morning and you're thinking, this resonates with you because you feel like maybe you're that, you've been that unfaithful person. You've been that part that's lacking in the body. Do you need support? The rest of the body is here for you, to help you, to pray for you, to study with you, to help you with what you need so that your spiritual life can become healthy and that you can be back on the right track. Or do you need salvation? Maybe you're thinking, what a, what a wonderful opportunity it is to be a part of the body of Christ. The creator of the universe invites us to be part of him and to be in him and to share a uniqueness with him and with one another. And if you're not complete in your life, if you know something is missing and you want change, be complete. Be baptized into Christ and join the rest of the family. Join the rest of the body and let's strive together for the faith of the gospel. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.